1972. The Miami Dolphins are the last undefeated team, and Mercury, Mercury Morris and the fellas celebrate like it's 1999, baby, every time the last undefeated goes down. Well, the last undefeated went down last night. That's right, the Commandos under Taylor Heineke. It's got a lot of dog in them, they're saying this morning, Taylor Heineke and the Commanders. Well, man, Terry McLaughlin, Brian Robinson, the defense, Montez Sweat, Jonathan, whatever is not. I mean, there are some bad boys, and they're playing some good football. And they took down. Yes, they did. They went into Philly and took them down. Shout out Jeffro Records from our Outkick Bets as Jeffro Records put it on us. He told us, take the money, or excuse me, he said, take the 11, sprinkle some on the money line, and he wasn't lying. Look, when you hold the ball 40 minutes plus, you're going to win football games. When you run the ball 49 times for 152, you're going to win football games. Jonathan Davis, the big old dude for the Eagles in the middle, who's been terrific, has been out two weeks. And let me tell you the importance of that, ladies and gentlemen, this week. What I just say, 152 last week, the Eagles gave up 168. They better get that kid back because they're going to play Jonathan Taylor and the, oh, so hot Indianapolis Colts. I will get to the Indianapolis Colts owner being back in just a moment. But first, apparently this is a thing. Apparently you on the way home as a quarterback, whether you're Kirk Cousins or Taylor Haneke, you put on all of your teammates' jewelry and drink Bush Light. That's right. This is a celebration. And by the way, look at the chairs. I mean, look, Daniel Snyder, you got the players flying economy. What are we doing? But let's get a look here. Fellas, here is the video from last night's plane ride home by the commanders. Yes, sir. You know what it is? Hold on. Hold on. Oh, big party buddy. Oh, yeah. Big party buddy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Dave Chappelle taught us the other day, Kanye said, you don't wear your money on your body. Well, man, I'll tell you what, when you're a billionaire, when you're a millionaire, you do. Well, a lot of millionaires apparently on the commanders and they had some money, but hey, look, it was a very, very good night for the commanders helped out, obviously helped out by the Philadelphia Eagles, Philadelphia Eagles, who came in leading the NFL with plus 15 turnover rate, which is the biggest stat in football. They can give you all these other cripple stats, but turnover rate is the biggest. They lost this one, four turnovers. All right, stop this. Stop it. So the face mask that led to the fumble by Goddard, I've read where people say, well, you got all these fat old guys trying to keep up. No, as NFL refs, no. No, what you got is young, entitled, inexperienced refs that have taken over from the common sense older refs. Now, you can get mad at me, you can call me what you want, but ask any NFL referee. Ask any NFL referee that's over 45 and they'll tell you, yeah, they got rid of all these old guys that had experience and they brought in a bunch of people that don't have enough experience, that haven't paid enough dues, so that's why they're screwing up so many calls. Now, stop with the old guy, old white guy is what they were saying, but uh, that can't run uh, down the field. Uh-uh, uh-uh. It's the exact 
well, it's not the exact opposite, but it's just the exact, yeah, it's the exact opposite. You got people with no experience, people that don't know what they're doing, people that don't haven't, haven't been at the speed of the game long enough, screwing up calls. I don't know if that's the reason last night. Sometimes you just miss one, but stop, because every informed NFL person will tell you refereeing is awful when the NFL made a shift away from experience and into woke entitlement. All right. Jalen Hurts looked fine, throwing interceptions. They were going to win the game. The ball went down the field to Watkins. Watkins, for whatever the reason, decided he was not going to hold on to the ball. Jimmy Ursay, I feel like I've got my owner back. I do. Jimmy Ursay is no longer about relationships. Jimmy Ursay is no longer touchy-feely. Jimmy Ursay just wants to win. That's it. Jimmy Ursay just wants to win. It's why he put Jeff Saturday out there. And here's what he had to say. We got our owner back, Indy. We got our owner back. Our owner went from Chris Ballard's touchy-feely to the bottom. The last words, just win. All you critics, you criticize all of us in the NFL for losing. When we make moves to win, you act so righteous. Who are you crapping? Just win, baby. Jimmy, welcome back. You were lost, but now you are found. You were gone, but now you are back with us. No more of the Chris Ballard. It's about it's about relationships. You got to have relationships. I mean, we hug them up. We, we, shut up. Just win. I don't give a rat's about relationships. I don't give... Look, don't tell me about the NFL and women, the NFL... Uh, and, and military. The NFL is full of crap. The NFL is about one thing and one thing only, and that is making money. That's it. Why do they have military nights? So they can sell you military-looking outfits. Why do they have pink women's nights? So they can sell you pink-looking uniforms. That's it. You can say whatever you'd like, and if you don't believe that, I can't help you. But Jimmy Ursay fell for it. Jimmy Ursay felt he was going to be all about relationships, all about yay rah, Chris Ballard's hug. He hugs T.Y. Hilton, and then he cuts him. They smile in your face all the while. They want to take your place. They're backstabbers. One of my favorite songs of all time because the lyrics are so true in a lot of different ways, ladies and gentlemen. So, Jimmy, can we show that again? Do you guys mind showing that again? I'm so glad to have our owner back. I was the only one in Indianapolis. Everybody in Indianapolis bought into the crap. They did. They bought, even the fans bought into the crap. Oh, we got draft choices. Oh, we got relationships. Oh, we got this. Oh, we got that. I said, no. The NFL is about one thing and one thing only. Just win, baby. Peace. That's it. Every general manager should, and every general manager with the Colts did, have on the wall a quote from Jim Ursay. Nothing interferes with winning. Every single GM in the NFL should have that in a big old wall. Not only seven. I don't want to hear. Like tonight, Izzo's going to play, right? And uh, Calipari. And whoever loses is going to BS you with, well, you know, we're building a team. That's fine. You are in college. You can't. That's actually not BS. It's true. It's true, but, but in professional football, three words, Al Davis, beautiful. 
just win, baby. Yes, I know I didn't go Joe Biden on you, but just win, baby. Mwah! Hey, did you see this? Jay Leno, man. Jay Leno famously, famously owns a bunch of cars. See, I don't understand rich people. I don't. Like, if I were a rich person, the last thing I would do is flaunt my being a rich person. And I don't know. Look, I'm blessed. I understand. I got more than most. But you're never going to see me flaunt it. Like, I drive, excuse me, I drive a Traverse. Well, I just got a new one after seven years that had 160,000 miles on it. What did I get? Another Traverse. What's a Traverse? Basically, the modern wood-sided paneled station wagon. I don't understand rich people. I'll never understand rich people showing us how rich they are. It just doesn't make sense to me. We know you're rich. You're Jay Leno. You're on TV for 100 years. So Jay Leno has this big, big car garage. It's an L.A. garage. He's got all these restored cars. And because of his money, he can't wait to tell us how rich he is. Well, where Jay Leno stores his car for whatever the reason, Jay Leno, one of them erupted into flames, and Jay Leno got seriously injured. My prayers are with Jay Leno. I I couldn't imagine. I mean, there's a few things that scare, and I actually have dreams about them. One, my wife leaving me. I hate that dream. I had it last night. Two, drowning under ice. I fell in the ice one time, horrible. And three, what happened to Jay Leno, and he got burned. I, my, my thoughts are with Jay Leno. Rich, not rich, I don't care. But uh, Jay Leno has always shown us, you know, always shown us this, uh, this side of him. And you know what? I hope he's okay. Hey, I want to go back to something. This is one of the reasons you guys watch our show. You ready? Because we tell you what's going to happen before it's happening. We have great guests. While back, we had Dick Vermeil on. And Dick Vermeil basically talked about the Eagles losing. Let's hear from the coach of the Eagles, a former coach of the Eagles. It'll take a real good football team to beat them. They're 6-0, the only one in the NFL. And uh, I know what that feeling's like. It's a wonderful feeling. But Dan and uh, Bobby Knight would tell you this. You got to watch out for the wind streaks because everyone comes to work now. They got a smile on their face or relax or walking out off practice field, walking out to go to work with pads on, laughing and joking. And all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, someone kicks them in the butt. And I've, I've been fortunate enough to coach three different teams and all three of them at one time experienced being the only undefeated team. And a couple of times we got beat by teams that were losing teams because we all felt too good. You know, it's still a contact sport, you know. It's still a combat sport, you know. So it, that takes a frame of mind. He ain't lying there. I mean, it is really hard to keep winning. You know, this is a very, very little-known statistic. When you're talking about the 72 Dolphins, you got to talk about 2015. The Colts, with three different quarterbacks, actually four, and a backup quarterback leading the way and getting it done in Matt Hasselback went 16-0 and in their division. 16-0 and in the division to break that team, the 19, not that team, but the 1972 Dolphins record. Not the season-long record of 72, totally different thing. But that's, it's hard to win, man. And when you look back at some of the things that Andrew Luck and Ryan Grigson were involved in, that's pretty impressive. But I'm not going to be surprised at all. I wasn't surprised. Maybe I was surprised last night, but I, I'm never surprised when somebody doesn't go undefeated, neither you. What does this mean? Like, what does this mean? Does this mean that, well, you know what? Water found its level. 
does this mean that, oh, I don't know, uh, Tom Brady and the rest are the team to beat? Don't count them out? I don't think it does, but they're going to be among my sleeper teams. Does it mean the Vikings? Does it mean Dallas? What does this mean? Because we must overreact. Does it mean that Washington is now a formidable team? I don't know, but I know this. The Vikings are pretty good, and they just had an unbelievable win. The Eagles just lost a game, which shows that they are not. They are not. Well, that's not true. I was going to say they're not the dominant team. A word just escaped me. They're not infallible. What does it mean? And it's going to get very, very interesting. And I'm going to talk about what it means and some teams that could jump up here as we move into the last portion or the back half of the NFL schedule. My boy, Calipari. And he is my boy. When I had a problem with a town in Indiana called Scottsburg, he sent me an hilarious voice message. John Calipari is a guy I really like. I went to the Bahamas with him. I coached at his fantasy camp. I bought all my players beers after games because they were all adults. We're like, hey, we just won. My, Lee, let's get some beers for everybody. Anyway, blast. Love Calipari. DJ Wagner. This is how old I am. I played against his grandfather, Milt. Milt kicked our you-know-what opening game, 1985. We were in the top five. They were probably in the top ten. I don't know. They came into Assembly Hall, whooped up on us. We both had bad seasons. But D.J. Wagner, grandson of Milt, chose Kentucky, where his daddy, Dewan, played. Well, he didn't play. John Calipari is who his daddy played for at Memphis. So this, ladies and gentlemen, is the recruiting class of Kentucky. The worst is a kid named Reed Shepard. Reed Shepard's dad, Jeff Shepard, was the most outstanding player in the NCAA tournament. I wanted him to come to Indiana so freaking bad. He came to our camps. I went down to Peachtree City. Son of a biscuit maker. Knight didn't think he was good enough. Reed Shepard can really ball. Wagner can really ball. The one thing you got to overcome, though, is being a Wagner. Justin Edwards, I've seen that kid play. He's a monster. Bradshaw, complete monster. Number one center. I mean, you can make him the number one player overall. Dillingham, kind of the same thing. John Calipari is reloading. But he plays tonight, and it's going to be interesting. Because when Cal loses, baby, uh, he's already said we're hurt. We're hurt. We haven't practiced together. We'll see what happens. By the way, for those of you that missed it, and I did, tonight is what's called the Champions Classic Michigan State, Kentucky, Kansas taking on Duke. Should be fun. Uh, yeah, I'll be watching, I think, unless Maction is on. Now, if Maction's on, all bets are off. Uh, but anyway, so there's Cal. He gets it done. Yay, rock. Go fight, win, Cal. I'm a huge Cal fan. I texted him the other day. By the way, he didn't text me back. That's a first. He was probably working on his class. Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos is worth $124 billion. I want you to think about that. $124 billion. Billion. Jeff Bezos is going to, according to Jeff Bezos, he says he will give away almost most of his money. Almost, most, almost, whatever. He's going to give it away. I guess that's smart. Why not? The heck. Just keep a billion. Start throwing it around. I'll tell you where I would give it. Uh, the way to give it, they say, is to buy political candidates so they can change 
uh, laws into what you want. Certainly, I would do that. But I'll tell you what I would do. If I ever won a lottery, the first thing I would do is I would march into the public schools of Indianapolis and I'd clean them up. I mean, I'd build new buildings. I would get new curriculum. I wouldn't want to hear nothing. I mean, we would actually in our schools be teaching reading, writing, and arithmetic. Not one drag queen would ever be seen. All the other crap would be out. I wouldn't care about a teacher's uh, personal identity. I just want kids taught at a level where they can compete later on in life. That's what I would do. So Bezos, if you need help, I'm here for you. I'm very underrated in terms of an idea man and a smart man, but Bezos, I am here for you anytime you would like. All right, Giselle, Giselle and Tom, did you ever think they would break up? Did it ever really matter to you? But Giselle has been spotted, ladies and gentlemen. She's been spotted with a new boat. And he is exactly what you think he would be. Suave. Debonair. His cheeks don't move when he shakes his head because he's ripped. He's a jujitsu instructor. He was her jujitsu instructor. It's really a cliche. You know, it is. Well, Tom, I want to take jujitsu. Really? The handsome jujitsu instructor. Tom, we need a new pool boy. The handsome pool boy. Tom, we need a gardener. The handsome gardener. Tom, I want to do yoga at home. Here comes Biff stretching. Dogward downing, downward doggy. You know what I'm saying. It's a cliche. Giselle, don't be a cliche. Be better than that. Now, I'm thinking who's Tom going to date? You know who I wish Tom would date? It wouldn't be serious. She's too old for him. But Elizabeth Hurley. Elizabeth Hurley would be perfect for Tom. Smoking hot, smoking rich, a little bit of foreign to her. You know that English thing? That would be awesome. Maybe Tommy just needs to be cuddled. Giselle needs to be worked out. Ha! But Tommy might need to be cuddled. So I'm thinking Elizabeth Hurley. That's who I'm thinking. I'm not thinking some little starlet or some little influencer like you guys are thinking. Uh Uh-uh. You guys are thinking shallow. I'm thinking deep. I swim in the deep waters. And I feel like Elizabeth Hurley, who is America's second hottest woman behind the lovely Lee Ross Dockage, I believe Elizabeth Hurley would be perfect just, you know, to go to premieres, just, you know, to show up at the Super Bowl, just, you know, at a pub in England. You know what I'm saying? Just a little something, you know. And then we move on. Both have a nice little fling. She teaches him some moves. He gives her his best. You know what I'm saying? Jiu-jitsu instructor, pool boy, yard guy. You know, he came over to fix our back deck, and next thing you know, it was on. Don't be a cliche, Giselle. Tom, don't be a cliche either. No. Uh Uh-uh. Let's not do it. Joaquin Valente. You knew it was coming. It wasn't going to be Joe Davis, with all due respect to uh, broadcaster Joe Davis. You know it wasn't going to be Jim Smith. You know it wasn't going to be Ed Schwartz. It had to be Joaquin Valente. 
Good for her. All right, I saved this for last because this is the most important. Uh, yesterday, tragedy struck a couple different college campuses. Uh, University of Idaho, a lot of people aren't talking about this. Four kids, four students dead in a homicide. They lived off campus. And then, of course, what's going on at the University of freaking Virginia just breaks my heart. I was on college campus for most of my adult life. From the time I was 16 to the time I was 45, I lived on a college campus. And I always liked the differences of college campus. True story. First time I ever saw a guy kiss a guy was on a college campus at a bus stop. First time I ever saw somebody throw paint in protest. Bus uh, was at in Bloomington. First time I ever participated in a protest, apartheid. I didn't really know what apartheid was, but I knew a lot of really pretty girls were hanging out at Dunmetal was college. I've always loved the environment of college. And the environment of college is getting serious and it's getting dangerous and it's getting awful. And here's the problem. The problem is we've got too much senseless violence that seems senseless on our televisions. The problem is killing and the use of guns to kill others is dehumanized. And we saw it. I mean, let's think about this. And you're seeing some of the pictures from the University of Virginia. I'm not going to tell you guns are bad. I'm going to tell you people are bad. I'm going to tell you that we desensitize killing almost every day. So here comes a group of kids coming back from a play in Washington, D.C. on a field trip. And one of them, Christopher Darnell Jones Jr., decides that he's going to open fire on the group, and he killed three football players, Deshaun Perry, Lavelle Davis Jr., and Devin Chandler. Why? Who knows? Maybe at some point we'll find out. But one of the reasons that I know, and I don't care what anybody says, we desensitize it. And I've said this for years and years and years and years and years. You know, right now, you look on Twitter, and if you follow the New York Post, you're seeing it every day. You're seeing every day shootings and murders and hatchets being used. You're seeing every day in Indianapolis murders. Angela Ganote is a great follow. She's a news anchor at uh, Fox 59 here in Indy, and she's a great follow. She shows you, and there's murders every day, and we've just dehumanized it. We've just desensitized ourselves to it. Hell, there was a couple shootings in high school, and we don't even talk about them. I think we need to talk about it. I think we need to take a deep look at ourselves. And you can blame guns all you'd like, and that's fine. And if that's the reason, then go ahead and do whatever you feel you need to do. But I go deeper than that. We have a mental health crisis in our country, and our mental health crisis isn't going to get solved by me talking on a show. It's unfortunate that unbelievable scenes like this have to happen on college campuses where kids are so full of wonder, where kids and diversity reigns, where free thought should reign. Some places it doesn't, but the truth of the matter is it should reign. The enthusiasm of a freshman class at a college campus, the enthusiasm of football players, you know, being just on a college campus, the enthusiasm of students and the energy of a college campus is second to none. I have loved living on a college campus. In fact, I miss living on a college campus. I loved it. But man, oh man, when you see scenes like this, it just breaks your heart. And you want to ask why. And of course, thoughts or prayers are with the folks there, and certainly with the families of everybody involved. But this guy, Christopher Darnell Jones Jr., felt like for whatever the reason, whatever the reason, that it was just okay to open fire on a group of unsuspecting kids. Think about this, coming back 
from a school field trip to watch a play. Now, personally, I'm glad Darnell Jones Jr., uh, Christopher Darnell Jones Jr. was taken alive because I would like somebody to find out why. I would like him to be sentenced to whatever the penalty, the harshest penalties are in Virginia. But I'd also like to know why. Why does somebody choose to do that? Now, we can say he's obviously sick, and that's obvious, but is he really? Or is he just desensitized? Is, is, is human life no longer precious to us because of what we see on our television? Turn your TV on right now, and I'm a, I'm, I'm, I do it too. Hell, I get yelling on this show. I mean, I was watching NFL uh, Network today, some guy screaming the entire time. You turn on ESPN, the big swag goo and others are screaming the entire time. You can't go anywhere without anybody screaming at you. That's a part of it. But you also can't go anywhere without seeing murder. I was watching Yellowstone. I love Yellowstone, right? When they take you to the train station, what do they do? They just throw you over a cliff. No one's ever going to find you, and guess what? Nobody seems to have any remorse. I'm always fascinated by it. I am. I'm truly fascinated by the world that we live in when we watch on television and nobody has any remorse. Now, is TV real life? Of course not. Of course it isn't. But why do you think we have ads? Because TV influences. You know, Tony Elliott, a poor guy, and he's he's the, the least poorest of the people in this because... You know, he didn't have a child, but he had a player, and that's unbelievable. I cannot find the words to express devastation and heartache that our team is feeling today after the tragic events. I'm going to scroll down. They touched us, inspired us, worked incredibly hard, representatives of our program, university, community. Rest in peace, young men. But why? And I believe, now you have your own opinion. You can have your own opinion, and good for you. But I have said this for years. I have said this for years. We absolutely, in this country, we dehumanize, we desensitize ourselves to the loss of human life. We just do. Now, did that make this kid do this? No. I don't know. I'd like to find out. But we see it so often. I mean, I'm telling you, no one's even talking about four kids dead in Idaho. There were two school shootings last year. We talk about it? No. Rest in peace to those young men. Rest in peace. And I hope their families at some point can find peace. And I hope at some point we can start honoring and cherishing human life. Be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Hey, uh, before I get to Brad Crawford right here, shout out to my son's team, the Illinois State Redbirds basketball team. Why are you shouting them out? Well, they got two straight road wins, including one over Northwestern State. Now, you're going to say to me, what the hell, Dan? Northwestern State, well, they won on the road. You know what Northwestern State did last night? Northwestern State went into number 15 TCU. And you know what Northwestern State did to TCU? They beat them. Don't at me, people. That's right. Speaking of on fire, at B. Crawford, Brad Crawford joins us at B. Crawford uh, 247, 24-7. All right. You're on fire gambling. I love when guys come on here and they immediately tell me they are on fire, Brad. Good work. Let's go. What do you got? Hey, man, 66 and 36 on the year. I, I pick about 10 games a week. I've had seven straight winning weeks in college football, so... 
It's been a good year. I can't promise anything, but there's two early lines that I like this week. NC State at Louisville. This game opened up at two and a half, Louisville favorite. It's going to four and a half. Hound the Cardinals right now before it gets to six or seven. NC State is in a bit of a tailspin coming off that loss to Boston College. I like Louisville at home after Louisville did not look too good last week against Clemson. And our second game is Tennessee at South Carolina. Gamecocks lost by 32 points to a not-so-great Florida team. And Tennessee has to have style points, man. Nine and one right now outside of that Final Four at number five, according to the committee. Tennessee has to win big Saturday night, and I think the Vols do. And go ahead and lay that big number and take the favorite there. That's hurtful because Shane Beamer is one of our favorites. He's been on the show, and we love the man. But I know what you're saying. That certainly doesn't. It certainly makes a ton of sense. Uh, look, it, gambling is all about the head. Screw the heart. You know what I'm saying? Screw that. Right. We got to have all about the head. All right. Give me your four college football playoff teams. Yeah, for tonight's ranking, I think we're going to see Georgia at number one, Ohio State at number two, Michigan at three, and TCU at four. So I don't expect major changes tonight. I think those teams will be different sliding here in a couple weeks at the championship weekend. But, you know, you look, Dan, for me, TCU needs to win out and sort of leave no doubt for the selection committee. That would leave unbeaten Georgia at number one, TCU, the winner of the Ohio State-Michigan game, locked into those three spots. And then we see a scenario where you have one open spot left for maybe a one-loss Tennessee, a one-loss Pac-12 champion USC, or maybe that Ohio State-Michigan loser. So I think right now there's maybe one or two teams that are locked in the Final Four, and then four to five who are kind of battling for those other two spots. Do you do – when you look at TCU, here, here's what I'm saying. Yeah. You mentioned style points, and certainly Tennessee – showed that they needed style points because they went for it late, you know, obviously scored a touchdown, and I'm all, I'm all good with that. Um, but as you move forward, I, I'm of the opinion that an undefeated TCU, regardless if they win by one or win by 110, they get in this playoff like Cincinnati last year. Just be undefeated, yeah. and you're in. Would you agree with that with TCU? I totally agree. It, it's just – Similar scenario to Clemson. You know, Clemson knew that it needed to finish 13-0 to leave no doubt and stamp that Final Four ticket. Clemson couldn't do that. Lost big at Notre Dame. I think Sonny Dykes and the Horn Frogs know that they need to go 13-0 so the selection committee can't find a reason to leave the Horn Frogs out. I think TCU will do that. They have Baylor this weekend. That's kind of a trap game of sorts because TCU is only about a three-point favorite in that game. That might be another game where you, you – uh, win some money, taking the favorite there. Then they play Iowa State, very good defense. TCU should still roll that game. And then probably Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game. So I'm I'm with you there, Dan. TCU needs to finish 13-0 to solidify a playoff spot because 12-1 I don't think might might do it. All right, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna give you this is from a coaching perspective. I I and yeah. we, we didn't talk about this, so you may just say, Yeah, I don't know. Shut up, Dan. But Quinn Ewers, um, I think he's good enough to get you fired. I'm watching him play against TCU. He's falling down. He's missing receipt. Look, there are some dudes, and, and I go back to Jacob Eason, the kid that went out to Georgia right. and couldn't beat out Jake Fromm. You know what I'm saying? A lot of talent, big arm. That's what I'm seeing out of Texas, man. I'm seeing Quinn Ewers good enough to make himself a lot of money, but good enough to get you fired, too. 
Jacob Eason, another five-star guy, just like Quinn Ewers, top player in the country. Both those kids basically projected first-round picks, but at the college level, at least thus far for Quinn Ewers, hasn't maybe shown at all. But like you said, huge arm. You know, Howard's there for an arm, but his footwork is an issue. Steve Sarkeesian, Texas coach, was asked after Saturday night's loss to TCU, you know, what does he need to work on? And he didn't really mention, you know, mechanics or footwork, but you can watch that game. You don't have to be a football analyst to realize that Quinn Ewers right now does not appear all that comfortable from the pocket. His skate, you know, his his traits, like everybody says, NFL scouts love the kid, but right now he's he's not getting it done from the pocket for Texas. That's why the Longhorns have four losses this year. What what where where do you think like um where is Texas? In the Pantheon. And you you live in Carolina. Where, where's right. Carolina at right now? Yeah, I think Texas is a team that is probably going to be a preseason top 10 next year. Now, we saw in August there were several preseason top 10 teams that floundered, Miami and Texas A&M, you know, being, being two of them. But Texas, I think, has some, has some staying power as a Big 12 title contender because of that roster. I think Sarkeesian was the right hire. Here we are exiting the end of year two. Maybe Texas fell just short of expectations. It's not going to play in that Big 12 championship game. But with Arch Manning coming in, Dan, a lot of five-star kids are going to follow him. And I think Arch Manning's a guy who he's not going to redshirt. He's going to battle, you know, for that starting job with viewers next year in, in 2023. And then getting to your Carolina question, you know, had the UNC Tar Heels not lost to Notre Dame about a month ago, they're unbeaten right now and in the playoff conversation despite having one of the nation's worst defenses. Mac Brown last offseason changed coordinators, hired Gene Chizik, the former Auburn coach, to kind of be the head coach in waiting to fix that defense, and he hasn't done it. But Drake May, future first-round pick at quarterback, I know we like quarterbacks on this show, he is killing it right now through the air, and he has UNC 9-1 and going to the AC Championship game. People need to remember Luke May hit the jump shot, put North Carolina in yeah. the national champion or in the uh, Final Four couple. Or now maybe just moved on. Hell, I can't remember. All those Mays, the, the dad. Hell, I'm so old. I remember the dad. I remember Luke. I, they, they give me a headache. But North Carolina, I'm driving down the street when they're playing Appalachian State, and yeah. my wife and I are going somewhere. And you know, I'm not watching the game, but we got it on radio. And I swear to God, I don't care who wins North Carolina or Appalachian State. What do I care? I live in Indianapolis. But I couldn't stop listening to the game because it was absolutely yeah. nuts. No one was guarding nobody. I just thought North Carolina was this, like, fluke team. All right, what happened to Kentucky? The offense. I mean, you know, they, they hired a new OC. He has not done a good job this year. And then Will Levis, a guy, quarterback, who most project as a top five pick still – has been a turnover machine. You know, Kentucky was a top 10 team maybe five weeks ago with Arkansas. Both those teams in the SEC, one in the East, one in the West, have floundered this season. That that loss to South Carolina, Dan, a few weeks ago really hurt Kentucky. I know Will Levis did not play in that game. They, they started a true freshman under center. They lost to a not-so-great South Carolina team and then lost 21-17 to at home to Vanderbilt. 26 straight losses in SEC play, and you lose at home to a team that hadn't beaten an SEC team since 2019. So not a good year for Mark Stoops. It's falling under expectations. Don't be surprised, by the way, if Mark Stoops might get one of these big-time openings. I know Nebraska and Auburn are going to soon announce he's a guy that won't be at Kentucky much longer. 
If he's smart, he'll get the hell out of there. I mean, let's be honest, right? right? I mean, he's already hit the seat. I'm I'm the Pope. Yeah. Hey, look, we had two 10 win seasons. Adios, America. How, How good is Will Levis? And if Will Levis is your first round pick and you live in an NFL city, are you happy about this? Is this is this the quarterback of your future? I'm going to get crucified for saying this, and I, I, I've only said this maybe on, on one or two shows, but I think Will Levis is going to be a better NFL quarterback than Alabama's Bryce Young. Because we, we've sort of seen, Dan, that when Alabama does not protect Bryce Young, he's just like any other quarterback. He moves around. He may not have a high completion rate. Still makes plays outside of the pocket, but when the protection breaks down, he's average like everybody else. And I think for Bryce to really thrive in an NFL system, he has that protection. And those top five picks, let's face it, all of them have offensive line issues. My my Carolina Panthers, they're going to probably draft either Bryce Young or Will Levis. And as a Panthers fan, I would rather see them draft the more prototypical style NFL quarterback, which is Levis at 6'4", you know, 235. So I think Levis's traits may uh, pan out better than, than Bryce Young, but I'm sure Bryce – I don't know if he's watching this right now, but he's going to take this as uh, as some bulletin board material because he's been he's been doubted often, you know, coming off that Heisman. And this year, I think he's come back down to earth a little bit. He'll he'll still be a top ten pick, though. I just want to warn you. I just want to disclose, Brad, that we do keep the video. I know. And we ain't afraid to play the video. We ain't afraid to play it back, big boy. Well, when when Will Levis, you know starts as a rookie for some bad NFL team next year and has a decent decent year, we can, we can play that too. Oh, yeah, we'll play the positive too. I mean, no question about it. Yeah, it's not, only, it's, not, it, it's not only the negative. There's no question about Full it. Takes, um, yeah. LSU, Georgia, that's what the uh, SEC championship game is going to be. You know, a couple right. weeks before they can start getting ready, I get all that. Punch as we sit here right now. From a zero being no chance to a hundred being they are absolutely going to win, what kind of shot do you give LSU? I think LSU has about a thirty percent chance to win, and that and that would mean, in my opinion, that Harold Perkins, five-star freshman linebacker, completely dominates the game. I'm talking multiple sacks, maybe gets a turnover of Stetson Bennett. When when Georgia Dan has played close games this season, Stetson Bennett has been an average quarterback. And I think if he plays average inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium against LSU, against a team, by the way, that needs to win out to make the playoff, well, then you're talking about a hungry LSU defense, maybe feasting on a guy with, you know, not confidence at the early turnover. But that, that's the scenario for me for LSU to win that game. But I, I think the line will be nine and a half, ten points. I'd, I'd feel pretty good taking Georgia to win that game. And Georgia's the only team right now that I think regardless of what happens the rest of the way, unless they have some wild scenario in which they lose to Kentucky, uh, Georgia's locked in the playoff as the number one or two seed, regardless of what happens in Atlanta. Can you make the case, like, can you make the case that Kirby Smart's coach of the year in the SEC? I think you could because, I mean, look, man, for the second straight year, he has a former walk-on quarterback playing great football for an unbeaten team. I mean, my vote right now would, would go to Brian Kelly. I think a lot of us, including myself, kind of ditched the Brian Kelly bandwagon after LSU lost to Florida State in that season opening game. 
lost by 27 points at home to Tennessee just a month ago, Dan. And now four games later, LSU has a winning streak, has clinched the SEC West, and is a couple wins away from making the playoff in Brian Kelly's first season. That's exactly what those deep-pocketed boosters in Baton Rouge expected out of the former Notre Dame coach. You know, one of the things about Brian Kelly, you know, I I live here in Indiana. I grew up an hour away from Notre Dame, went to a Catholic school. The nuns got mad at me when I went to Indiana to play basketball, not Notre Dame. True story. Called me in a room, and they didn't hit me, but they weren't very happy. I thought I was going to get hit. So I've been around all that. It just shocks me. Um, the, the dislike of Brian Kelly, whether it's Notre Dame people that I know, LSU to start with, the media couldn't wait to crush this guy for what? Okay, yeah. he tried to go with a uh, southern twang. It, the hate is unbelievable for this guy. I mean, he averages like 9.9 wins a season in his coaching career. You're talking about, what, five or six coaches um, active right now who – sort of have those numbers. I think he was a great hire for LSU. He was an ace recruiter at Notre Dame. And you look at some of the big games Brian Kelly lost, it's because he did not have the five-star talent that he's undoubtedly going to sign at a program like LSU. You know, there, there's there's better booster support there for football. I'm, I'm not saying Notre Dame's not a top-10 program by any means, but, you know, you're uh, talking about NIL, LSU's going to be one of the front runners there. And this is a team that the last – what, three head coaches in Baton Rouge have won national titles? Nick Saban, Les Miles, and Ed Ogeron. That's a pretty good percentage for Brian Kelly uh, looking forward to the next few years. Yeah, and he just dove right into it. You know, a lot of guys don't yeah. want that kind of heat. My man, he said, screw it. I'm, I'm just going to dive right into it, and if you don't like it, I, I don't care. Let me, let me ask you, Ohio State, Michigan, um, I personally, I look at Ohio State and everybody, I was talking to Tom Allen, the head coach at Indiana the, uh, yesterday, and he's like, yeah, man, they're so good, it's stupid. I mean, they're so talented at four different spots. That, I guess I talked to him last week, not yesterday. But uh, now everybody, when they talk about Michigan, people feel, I almost get the impression that people are waiting for Michigan to come back to earth. Does that make sense? I think so. And you've watched Michigan play 10 games this year, and no team so far, no opposing team, has forced J.J. McCarthy to beat them. We still don't really know, Dan, what this Michigan passing game is going to be like when Michigan trails in a game or Ohio State you know, gets an early lead and maybe forces a third and long and McCarthy has to make a either pinpoint throw down the field or, or he throws a pick. And then on the Ohio State side, when teams this season have kind of bullied the Buckeyes up front, and it hasn't happened often, Northwestern really the only team – that I've seen the last month that has had success at the point of attack against Ohio State. But Michigan's a team that really wants to give it to Blake Corum 30 times in that game. And if he averages six yards a carry like that rushing attack did last year against Ohio State, then Michigan's going to win that game, win the Big Ten, and get back in the playoffs. So I think it's a very interesting dichotomy when you look at these two teams and just how different they look offensively. And like I said, this Ohio State defense is a whole lot better under Jim Knowles. I don't think it will perform as bad as it did last year in the rivalry game with Michigan. But if it does, man, there's going to be some heat on Ryan Day that with back-to-back losses to Michigan, he can't win the big game. Who's your Heisman? I'm going to be honest. Right now, Hendon Hooker, I'll, I'll give you three names. Hendon Hooker, Tennessee quarterback, has played extremely well. One, one bad game at Georgia. May, it may have cost him. 
Drake May would also be a finalist to me. And then Blake Corum, Michigan running back. I think he has, what, nine straight 100-yard games. Without Blake Corum this season, Michigan might still be undefeated, but but probably has a loss in there somewhere. I just think Blake Corum has a signature Heisman moment coming up in two weeks. And if he rushes for, you know, a buck 85 and, and three scores and a win over Ohio State, that might stamp his ticket to New York and get Michigan its first Heisman winner in a long time. Does May have a Heisman opportunity? I don't think meaning, he does. Meaning you know, a game. Yeah, yeah well, the, the the Heisman ballots, Dan, are, are due, I think it's like midnight December 5th, which is a couple hours after the AC championship game is going to be over against Clemson. I think if May goes, you know, 385 and, and four touchdowns against Clemson, then, then maybe he has a shot. I, I think Caleb Williams, USC, I don't, I don't want to omit him as well. You know, they've got UCLA Saturday, then they've got Notre Dame, and then probably Oregon, the Pac-12 championship game. So that's three ranked teams the USC quarterback's going to face these next three weeks. If he has 10 touchdowns in those three games and USC's 12-1 and one and possibly in the Final Four, maybe you give it to Lincoln Riley's quarterback. You know, one of the things, and, and I want to go back to that, Brad, you know, people look at USC and they say, well, they got a tough schedule coming up. And my thought is, that's good because right. if you had a crap schedule coming up, you're not getting into the college football playoff. But I would argue USC runs a table on, on those three games. I got to put them in. I was going to say, yeah, the, the two most intriguing teams left in this playoff race, in my opinion, are LSU and, and USC. I'm interested in seeing tonight how far the Trojans fall back from behind that you know, top four because they're the only Pac-12 team left with any tangible playoff hopes. Like I said earlier, Georgia essentially has a locked-in berth, so we're talking about maybe six teams battling for three spots. LSU might be the first two-loss team to make the playoff if they went out, and then USC obviously needs some help. But at 12-1, at and one, Lincoln Riley has been to the playoff, what, three times now in his coaching career, and they're going to have three straight wins over ranked teams? That's a damn good resume. Damn right it is. And, and, you know, the best thing for USC is that Notre Dame has turned their deal around, right? It's like college right. basketball. It's a, it, it didn't look like a quality, it, it, you know, a chance for a quality win early, but they've turned that bad boy around. That's what USC fans got to be hoping. Keep turning it around, Notre Dame, by the time we get to you in a couple weeks. And that's one reason Ohio State's strength of schedule is better than Michigan's right now because that season opening win over Notre Dame maybe at the time didn't look good after the Irish lost to Marshall. But now Notre Dame 7-3, handed UNC its only loss. That's a very good win there. Beat, beat Syracuse. Luckily uh, held it out against Navy over the weekend. But Notre Dame's a team that is probably going to finish inside the top 20 at, at maybe 8-4. and four. So that's another good win opportunity for the Trojans, as you mentioned. That's exactly right. And Michigan's schedule. I mean, I guess UConn's come on, right? Jim Moore has done a great job. But, I mean, come on. Hawaii, Colorado State, what are we doing? I think it hurts Michigan, too, that Illinois lost to Michigan State last week. Illinois was going to come in as probably a top 15 team and be a good little resume booster before the Ohio State game. And now Illinois got caught looking ahead, man. Brett Bielema has to be upset about that. So Illinois probably squandered a New Year's Six Bowl opportunity, too, with that loss. Last thing, I'm going to give you a piece of betting advice that came from a friend of mine who may or may not know. I don't know. He's usually right. Uh, but he doesn't bet. Uh, no matter the point spread, he said, take Michigan to absolutely crush 
Illinois. Whatever the spread, just take it and don't even look back. I'll, I'll do it. And hey, I'll I'll take the over under on on Blake Corum's total carries too at like twenty five. Yeah, hell, hey, you look, hey, you may not like Harbaugh, but he's no fool. He knows he knows where his bread's buttered. And I'll tell you something else. Um, it he also knows, you know what? Having a guy show up at the Heisman ceremony is a pretty damn good thing when you're trying to yeah, recruit it, against Ohio State. It is. They, they, and Michigan has a kid right now in five-star Nicholas Harbor, has not committed yet, number 12 player in the country, according to our rankings. He's a guy who could be a program changer if the Wolverines could sign him. Yeah, I'm telling you. Hey, man, that was great stuff. That was a lot of fun, Brad. Thank you for coming on. Thanks a lot, Dan, for the invite, man. You got it. That's at B Crawford 247. You want college football information? Look, you watch this show. You want information and you want gambling advice. And he watches Yellowstone. What the hell else you want out of me? Uh, did you see this before we go to break? I'm, my top five NFL sleeper teams are coming up. Now, you're going to disagree with some. Ryan Burr, who always brings the heat, he's going to join us coming up around 1030. But here's the deal. Uh Did you see this? I know where I was when this happened. Like when Mike Tyson bit the ear of Evander Holyfield, I was at my assistant Jamal Meeks' house, and we all went, what? So now these guys, look at that. (laughs) He bit his ear off. Think about that statement that I just made. He bit his ear off. What are we, cannibals? Mike Tyson got a whole lot of crazy in him. All right, here's the deal. Now, these two are teaming up for a cannabis product based on the moment Tyson bit Holyfield's ear. Yep, they are teaming up for a non-famous boxing moment stump. Legal weed is what they're doing. Time heals all, ladies and gentlemen. Time heals everything. Time heals. And the fact that these two guys, in one of the dumbest slash iconic moments in the history of, do we have that? Do we, I I don't want to, I'm not supposed to say do we have that, but I, I, I just, it's just awesome. Weed brings people together. Sports brings people together. Weed brings people together. There he bit his ear off. There it is. I'm sorry. So these two are teaming up. They're going to sell you some cannabis. You're going to buy it. And you're going to be like, man, this is wacky. The cannabis industry is interesting. Has strange bedfellows. Jake Plummer is trying to be like the cannabis slash hallucinogen dealer of the world, the former quarterback. George Carl is selling cannabis out of Hawaii and making idiotic statements on Twitter. So cannabis is trying to bring us all together. God bless you. Look, I don't know from cannabis. I've never smoked weed. I'm not interested in smoking weed because I would like smoking weed. Smoking weed is my thing. Cannabis is my thing. Sitting around, eating, laughing is my thing. And I don't want to do it because I have an addictive personality and I would get addicted to it. And I don't need that kind of action in my life. That's why I never did it in college. I was around people that did it all the time. 
People say, well, you didn't do it in college because you're afraid of Bobby Knight. Not really. It, I just know me. Like those gummies. People say, oh, man, they relax you. you like, okay, I did that once. Let me tell you what happened. Nothing. Lee tried them. She's passed. She's asleep. Not passed out. He just put her to sleep. I tried them in Portland one time. We went to some dis- dispensary, and the dude behind it looked like a Rastafarian pharmacist. And he was awesome. He told us, well, you want this? You want this? Like, yeah, sure. We'll take, I want, I want relax. Took it. Didn't even get hungry. I don't know, but I know people that swear by him. Actually went into a place in Chicago, right by Wrigley Field. It's legal there. And I'm like, hey, don't you guys have anything on the wall? He goes, no, 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 no. If we put anything out, it gets stolen. Everything's behind. It's like Vegas's count room. Everything is behind the wall. It's insane. Anyway, enough cannabis talk. I got five sleepers. I got five sleepers that are, to me, real shot, assuming like the best teams get a little bit banged up. We already saw in the NFL that the Vikings could beat down 17, beat the Bills. We already saw last night. Nobody's going to go undefeated. So you got to start looking at sleeper teams. You just do. Who's good? Who's got a good schedule coming up? I got five that I kind of like. Four I really like. The fifth is more me just being stubborn. All right, we're going to get into that when we come back. And bottom of the hour, those of you that follow us and watch our shows, whether it's here or listen to our show in Indianapolis, you know Ryan Burr brings it like no other. We're going to get into some stuff with Burr, including Pat Perez's calling out <laughs> of Tiger Woods uh, and a bunch of other stuff. But we got a monster last hour. Indy, baby! We, hey, can we, when we come back, can we please, just for me, play the Ty- Taylor Heineke video from last night and play or show Jimmy Ursay's tweet? Heineke first, then Ursay. I got my owner back, people. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Oh, man, you know, uh, there is going to be no undefeated team. We just saw Buffalo lose. We just saw the Eagles lose, thus the no undefeated team. So we're going to get into five sleepers. But first, if you missed the first hour of the show, we're going to show you two of the best things that you missed. Last night, Taylor Heineke, ladies and gentlemen, Taylor Heineke and the Washington Commanders, Went into Philadelphia, got a little bit lucky, got a call or two, whatever, for some turnovers. Next thing you know, they came out with a win over the previously undefeated Eagles. There's a new tradition started apparently last week by Kirk Cousins. I'll show you what this week's version of it is with Taylor Heineke right now on the team plane. Yes, sir. You know what it is? Oh, big party buddy. Big party buddy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I love that stuff. I got people saying, well, Dockage, you were mad at the Indiana players TikToking on the plane. Well, no, it's because they had to play the next day. These guys got a week off. Stop it, stupid. Uh, I love this tradition. And, man, how about the bling that NFL players bring to the locker room? Be careful with that, fellas. Seriously, be a little careful 
uh, bringing that type of bling in here. I mean, you know, somebody may have the key that you don't want to have the key. And next thing you know, bling, bling, gone, gone. But hey, good for Taylor Heineke. He's sitting there crushing a bush light. Who doesn't like a good bush light after you get a win? I do. Uh, all right. And then, ladies and gentlemen, the big news. Thank you. I'm going to genuflect. I'm going to show my man, Jimmy Ursay. We got our we got our owner back. I am not the world's number one fan. That was sarcasm, and I love it. Jimmy Ursay gave this to me on my birthday. It was my 60th birthday, and we lost our owner. We've lost our owner over. I need to put this back here, like I'm a NFL, you know, reporter. Anyway. We lost our owner. We did. He was gone, but now he is found. He's like the prodigal child that used to be in Indianapolis. Nothing interferes with winning. Nothing interferes with this football going across the line more than the other team. Ursay got into relationships. Ursay got into social media. No, all you critics, you criticize all of us in the NFL for losing when we make moves to win. You act so righteous, Bill Cowher. You act so righteous. Who are you crapping? Just win, baby. I only bring this out. Well, I never brought it out. I really didn't even think about it until I actually respect now what the Colts are doing. I have not respected the Colts. I've liked Chris Ballard. I've respected Frank Reich and Chris Ballard as men. There's no question about that. But as a coach and an organization that relied so much on player accountability, no, not at all. Now, Jeff Saturday, Paris Campbell talked about it yesterday. It's all about accountability now. Oh, who would have thunk it? Oh, my God. Every guy in Indy was crushing me. They were crushing me. Next thing you know, they ain't crushing me no more. They're backpedaling because I was right. I should be right. Coach for 100 years. You see, there's two things I can understand, a team culture and a toupee. And usually a fake rack, if you want to know the truth. I mean, let's just be honest. Those three things I'm pretty good at. Anything else? I can't tell you, Mozart. I can't tell you who sung a song. If it was on WLS in the 70s and 80s, I could tell you. But other than that, I got nothing. But I can tell you those three things. All right, I've got some sleepers for you. That's right. Now that we have seen that nobody's going to go undefeated, and of course in the NFL, when you lose, there's an overreaction, and now the Eagles must come to Indianapolis next week where the Colts are lying in wait. Short week, Colts feeling good, at home, going to be a big crowd, whole place is re-energized, I don't know. Anyway, numero five. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the New England Patriots. You're going to say to me, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm going to say to you, uh-huh, uh-huh. Why? Because the New England Patriots have won four out of five. Have you paid attention? They, yes, I understand. Yes, I know. Their quarterback situation was in flux. Yes, I uh, believe me, I get it. Yes, I know Matt Patricia is calling the plays. But ladies and gentlemen... They have won four out of five. Now, let me tell you who they beat. Detroit, Cleveland, the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 and the Colts when they had right, crushed them, playing their best football, you can argue, going into the Jets and winning and beating the Colts soundly. Now they got the Jets again. This time it's at home. Then they got Minnesota. This is the problem with 
betting on New England and why I didn't put them farther or closer to the top. Listen to what they have left. They've got Buffalo two times. They've got the Jets coming up. They've got at Minnesota. They've got to play, uh, excuse me, they've got Cincinnati, the Bengals, who hopefully by the end of the year will be good because Teddy Karras Jr. Jr., the center, is a friend. They got to play Miami. It's a tough go. That's why I don't have them like second or third, but I got to tell you, four out of five, Belichick as the coach. But remember last year around this time, week 10, week 11, we were also praising New England. We shall see. This is just stubborn, this next one. I'm not going to lie. I'm just being stubborn here. And I'm being stubborn with the Atlanta Falcons. And you're going to say to me, Dan, the Atlanta Falcons stink, uh, you know, well, you guys on Twitter will say things like, well, uh, your credibility's gone. Okay, my credibility's gone. It was gone a long time ago. My credibility uh, will never be gone because I am the most righteous of men. But the Atlanta Falcons are sitting here, six, or excuse me, four and six. They stinks, okay? They've lost three of their last four. They don't stinks. They've lost close games. They lost to Carolina after beating Carolina inexcusable. But here's what they got. Here's what they got their next four. Chicago, who always finds a way to lose. At Washington, which looks a lot more dangerous now, but do you really believe this is one of the elite teams? Pittsburgh at home, and then a bye, and off of a bye, they go to a bad New Orleans team. Don't sleep. If the Atlanta Falcons are as good as I have said, don't sleep. They end the season with Arizona and Tampa Bay at home. I'm not saying the Atlanta Falcons, well, maybe I am. Maybe that game with Tampa Bay comes down to who wins the NFC South. I don't know. But what I do know is this. I'm not mad at Marcus Mariota, even though he was god-awful this past week. In fact, I would argue that if I was doing like a Tommy Lauren loser of the week, or I was doing a Tommy Lauren, worst of, or a sports center, worst of, or whatever you want to do, worst of, the worst performance by a quarterback with open receivers goes to Marcus Mariota. But I just, something about that team I'm kind of digging. I like the coaching staff. I think they're real people. I, I Cordell Patterson is a stud. Reminds me a little of myself. Marcus Mariota's got some legs. How about you just run it, Marcus Mariota, and you don't worry about throwing it. That would be a novel approach. All right. Number three, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it's a bit of a homer pick. Colts. You're going to say to me, Dan, you're nuts. And I'm going to say to me, you're right. You're right. But having said that, I like what Jeff Saturday's doing. I ain't mad at their defense. In fact, if you were going to give me a defense, to play. I already picked him for my fantasy team. I'm not so sure I wouldn't take the Colts defense. I think the Colts defense is playing at an incredibly high level. I think the Colts defense is playing even better than what they played previous, and they were playing at a pretty high level. The thing that I saw about the Colts this past week that I like at this time of year going into week 11 is two words, crisp and fresh. They seem crisp. They did everything somewhat sharp, crisp. 
Crisp is a hard word to define, right? But you know it when you see it. It's like the Supreme Court justice defining pornography. Uh, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. Same thing with crisp. Same thing with sharp. Look, the offensive line, still a question. The schedule, not great. The position, one game out of a wild card, but here's what you got. You got two straight home games here. One of them against a Philadelphia team that, in my opinion, looks beatable now. The other, and you always want to play a team coming off a loss. A lot of people say you want to play a team coming off a win. Uh Uh-uh. If guys are real pros, you want to play them coming off a loss because it's discombobulated. Everybody's questioning. You're not just jumping into the next game. You're solving the issues from the previous game. You're questioning personnel. You're questioning strategy. There's all these things after a loss that discombobulate. The key for this game coming up for the Colts is going to be health. I assume Jonathan Taylor is healthy. But here's what's always happened. Wednesday, Thursday, somebody that's really good on the Colts gets hurt. Don't let it happen this time. But anyway, so the Colts have Philadelphia. Win that one, you feel like you can beat anybody. And then Pittsburgh comes in. Now remember this, other than the Titans who seemingly don't lose, everybody else, or not everybody, but most other teams over a two-week period are going to lose a game. So if you just take care of your home court, home field, whatever you want to call it, Eagles, really tough. Pittsburgh, worst Pittsburgh team we've seen in a long time. Take care of that. Other teams fall back while you jump up. It's going to be interesting by the time they head to Dallas and then a bye week. It is. Now, schedule ain't easy. Hell no. After they play at Dallas, they got to go to Minnesota. Then they've got the Chargers at the Giants in Houston. It ain't easy, but crisp and fresh late in the year is something. I'm telling you, it's something. All right. Let me give you another team. You saw them last night. Number two on the hit parade. The Commanders. There ain't nothing wrong with the Commanders. You know what the Commanders showed last night? They showed a pass rush. <laughs> they did. They showed a pass rush. I mean, look, I don't know what to tell you, but you can talk about Daniel Snyder. You can talk about Taylor Heineke. You can talk about Ron Rivera's too woke, the whole thing with Jack Del Rio. You can talk about it whatever you want. But ladies and gentlemen, do not look now. But here is another team, and there's our guy Heineke. We can just show that on a reel. Look at my man. Who wouldn't follow that? He's not chugging one. He's getting two done. That's in the CFL where men are men. Yeah. Guys, you know, yeah. Guys look like that prisoner in Yellowstone that Beth went to have a conjugal visit in in the last episode of season four. That's how they're supposed to look in the Yukon. But Heineke just comes in, douses two beers, wins games. Next thing you know, look, beat Chicago, beat Green Bay, beat the Colts at the Colts, lost to the Vikings close, and beat Philadelphia. I don't know what to tell you. That's four out of five. Now, you know what I say on this show, ladies and gentlemen? I always tell you, when a team goes through a bad stretch early and comes out of it better, Tough team to beat. One, two, three, four losses at Detroit, Philadelphia, at Dallas, and Tennessee. Four straight losses. They came out of it better. 
They've won four out of five. Now, you can say the schedule. Fine. You say whatever you want, but I don't care. No, I don't care even a little bit. I don't give a damn if somebody was hurt, not hurt. Hey, look, if the game is scheduled and you win it, I'm for you in the NFL. But the truth of the matter is, the question now becomes for the Washington Commanders, who's going to be the quarterback? Who the hell is going to be the quarterback? If you were Ron Rivera, I know who I would play at quarterback, but I'm not inside that deal. i tell you this right now. Taylor Heineke would be my quarterback. Hey, can we show, I know I'm asking you, can we show the Heineke video from last night? Players seem to love Taylor Heineke. They don't kind of like Taylor Heineke. They love that guy. Dude's on the plane. He's got chains all over him. Look at this. That's from last night. Oh, big party party. Big party party. There's nothing better than a loud plane. Yes, sir. Nothing better. Look at that. Look at that bling, by the way. Hey, look. Uh, be careful, fellas. I don't want to see anybody get robbed. I mean, damn, that's some bling. So Taylor Heineke or Carson Wentz, let me ask you a question. Is it really a question? We may have to get our guy Abram on. Uh, Abram, Abraham from uh, Washington, D.C. to answer that question later on in the week. I think in a week or so, I think you're going to see the reemergence of freaking Carson Wentz. Let me ask you, Commander fans, do you really want to see the emergence of Carson Wentz? This looks like we're having a little bit of fun with old boy here. I think Carson Wentz is going to get folded. <laughs> hey, Carson, what happened? Oh, man, I got folded. I got folded in Philadelphia. I I got folded. In Washington, D.C. I just keep getting folds. Well, who was the folds in D.C.? Well, it was this guy Taylor Heineke. He drinks Heineken's. See what? Eh? Yeah. And number one in the hit parade, I'm ready to eat crow. I'm ready to say I doubted the goat. No, I'm ready. You guys may not be ready, but I'm ready. I admit when I'm wrong. I said earlier this year that Tom Brady was not going to make the playoffs, and then I doubled down and gloated. That's right. Those of you that know me, I ain't afraid to gloat, and I ain't afraid to tell you when I'm wrong. But the Buccaneers, I mean, I don't know about you. I told my wife this, and I'm curious your all's thoughts on this. Like, I'm 60 years old, right? I just got on this thing from Affinity Health where I take a testosterone shot, and I take these pills, and I got to tell you, I feel great. I've lost weight. I'm stronger. Seriously. And I'm not doing an ad here. I'm just telling you. So what's my point? Well, I looked at my wife and I said, you know, I feel so much better from this thing. It's called feelgoodindy or feel, yeah, feelgoodindy.com. It's great. But I got to tell you. So then I asked my wife, like, why wouldn't all guys 45 and older just get on the TB12 plan? Like, I'm watching Tom Brady. He's dropping back and he's throwing a football like it's a baseball. Now, can he move? Yeah. If you put Tom Brady out there and said, all right, Let's compare him to other sports guys that are working at it, 45 years old. Tom Brady would look better than any. And I'm not talking about his, um, his appearance, his face, his hair, his mocks. I'm talking about his movement on the court. I'm talking about his arm. I'm talking about he fires the ball. And, ladies and gentlemen, they've won four out of five. They've won four out of five games. And they looked dead in the water. And on top of all of it, 
Giselle's out there with some jujitsu instructor. That's hard. That's that. That's bad business. That's tough. I mean, not only did he have to get divorced, and he shares custody with uh, her on some kids, but he's also very publicly got divorced. He's also got to give away a bunch of scratch, but that was negligible. But then he's got to see her out there stripping around with some jujitsu instructor that looks exactly like the guy that she should be out there stooping around with. I mean, again, Giselle is not stooping around with Jimmy Davis, Johnny Jones, Dan Dockage. Now, well, Dan Dockage, there's enough, there's enough intrigue to the last name. She's not out there with uh, Joe Davis. No, no, no. She's out there with, you know, Vladimir Vazubizubu, or whatever this guy's name is. That's who she's out there, Valente. Valente Karakushka. He is my jiu-jitsu instructor. You know, she's become a cliche and I don't like it. But anyway, uh, so here we are, Tampa Bay. I was going to tell you Tampa Bay won four out of five, but I would be lying. Tampa Bay's won two in a row. Tampa Bay's won two in a row. Looks like they have found something on their team. Let me go to this defensively. Now, the Rams are a mess, but the Rams only scored 13 points against Tampa Bay. The Seahawks, Geno Smith, is one of the great stories in the NFL. They went to Munchen, home of Uwe Blop, and only scored 16 points against Tampa Bay. Going back, listen to this, going back to uh, October 9th, Starting October 9th, teams have scored 27 points or less. Only three teams have scored 20 or more points, and those are in the three losses. 20, 21, and 27. Defense is playing good. Offense mediocre. But I'll tell you this, I ain't sleeping on them because, look, here's what they got. At Cleveland, stinks. New Orleans, stinks. San Francisco, at San Francisco, good. Cincinnati, they'll win at home. At Arizona, stinks. Carolina, stinks. And at Atlanta. This is the sleeper team in the NFL. Dan, what does sleeper team mean? What are you talking about? Sleeper team means got a chance to go to the NFC Championship. Sleeper team means got a chance to come out of nowhere and get back to a Super Bowl. That's what sleeper team means. Just saying. Hey, Dan, 58% completion percentage and a 66% rating is legendary. John is uh, mad at me for saying that the legend of Taylor Heineke. Now, John's also a guy that paid $8 so that with his 500 followers, he could be verified. John is angry. Don't be angry, John. Don't worry. Be happy. You know who's happy today? Josh McDaniels. If you watched the ridiculousness of Josh McDaniel's team basically in the first half against the Colts. You saw a team that really wasn't trying. Now I'll give them credit. They were professional. And if that number 58, some rookie named Butler falls on the ball, they win the game. But McDaniel's team is two and seven. McDaniel's appears to have, well, not no interest, but no connection with his outfit. Derek Carr gave an impassioned plea to not only McDaniels, but to everybody else on his team. Scott Pioli, the former general manager, was on Good Morning Football this morning, and I could not believe how Scott Pioli made NFL players sound, which is so incredibly freaking soft, 
It gives me gas. Yeah, he was talking about, well, you know, Derek Carr got a little too personal. Calling guys out is bad. Blah, 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 blah. Are you serious? So Mark Davis, the guy on the left, says, he's the owner, says that, and I'm going to quote it here. I'm going to quote this, that Josh McDaniels has been, quote, fantastic. The last time I heard such a misuse of the word fantastic is when the NBA used to run ads that say the NBA is fantastic. The NBA was crap back then, but they said it was fantastic. Josh McDaniels is crap right now, but they say it's fantastic. However, I do like the fact that Derek Carr stood up for his coach. I do like the fact that Derek Carr said very glowing things about Josh McDaniels and called his teammates out. I can't imagine how what, jo, what uh, Derek Carr said, which is basically, we just got to be better, could be misconstrued this morning as too tough on his teammates, too personal. You NFL guys, and I know you guys watch this, you're soft as a baby's backside. Why can't you call out somebody? Hell, guys get called out at work all the time, although you got to be sensitive to things. Now, I learned in a seminar that you're not even allowed to compliment a woman's shoes. Now, I got to tell you, I'm a fashionista. My wife, before she makes any fashion decision, comes and says, what do you think? These shoes, those shoes. These jeans, those jeans. This dress, that dress. Go for an interview. Dan, what do you think about this? I think it's bad. Get something else. Okay, I think it's great. I am. But now, apparently, you're not even allowed to say, hey, those are really great-looking shoes. That, apparently, is offensive. So I guess the NFL is no different. Why would I think a quarterback getting up at a podium and saying, hey, look, I love my coach. Love him. Love the guy. But as a team, we're not as tied in and connected, and we're not preparing well enough. Really? That's harsh? And Scott Pioli said it in such a weenie way. Well, you know, I think it's really hard. He was an insult to Baldwin this morning. When I came home, that's right, that's what we call it in the bald community. When I came home, I came home to be rough and tumble. I don't need other bald men getting on the air going, well, you know, um, it just isn't, you know, I, 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 he's too mean. Shut up! It's the NFL! There's no such thing as mean. You want mean? I'm going to give you Ryan Burke coming up here next. You want mean? You Colts fan, Burr's going to tell you how it is. You want mean? Burr's going to tell you whether Patrick Perez, who I'm hoping will join the show later on this week, Patrick Perez calling out Tiger Woods was good or bad. I thought it was freaking awesome. My man, Ryan Burr, you want mean, is going to tell you how horrible the Steelers are. How happy he is as a Steeler fan that the Philadelphia Eagles lost. You want me? He's going to tell you Colts fans that Jeff Saturday is still involved in a mess in Indy and one win over a horse bleep team does not change anything. There's mean for you. That'll get, that'll get Scotty Pioli's britches all entangled. What do you guys say? Don't get your panties in a wad. I've never used that phrase. I like it. Uh, Side note, go look at what Tim Hardaway said on the air actually yesterday. I will never play that. And you make your own judgments. 
You know, it's amazing what Tim Hardaway said. And Tim Hardaway apologized, and next thing you know, everything's fine. Oh, okay. I'll let you go look up Tim Hardaway. And when you do, you're going to go one single thing. What would ever possess a guy of any type of intelligence to say that on national TV? Now, I can't wait for people to defend it. But honest to God, look him up and ask the question, what would possess an announcer of a basketball game on television, national television, to say what Tim Hardaway said last night? And what would possess anybody in an ownership position to continue to allow Mr. Hardaway to show up on a screen again? Um, Let's also, ladies and gentlemen, let's do this before we leave. I got a little Antonio Brown for you. Who doesn't want a little Antonio Brown? Let's put that. I saw this this morning. Antonio Brown is one of those guys that shares text, private text, via Twitter or Instagram. Can we show what Antonio Brown put up there last, this morning or last night? Antonio Brown decided it was a good move to share a private text between him and Tom Brady. Of course, Antonio Brown is out of his mind. Of course, Antonio Brown has no regard for anybody but Antonio Brown. And of course, Antonio Brown is one of those guys that, um, well, frankly, what does he do? Antonio Brown crushes the souls of those around him. And it goes back to a saying. If you hang out with jackasses, eventually they show you why they're a jackass. I can read this if you'd like, but it is amazing. So here's Antonio Brown, who just decides, well, you know what? This is going to make Antonio Brown look good. You ready for it? This is a private text between him and Tom Brady. Maybe he took it down. Did I miss it here? Hang on one second. I've got it in the uh, text, but he may have taken it down. I don't care. We'll still read. All right. You are demonstrating, Tom Brady said to Antonio Brown, very poor decisions, poor communication to so many people who have gone above and beyond to help you. You're acting selfish, and unfortunately, many of those people are exhausted by the erratic and unpredictable emotional behavior. When I met you, you were humble, willing to learn, and anxious to improve things in your life. Short period of time, you have done those things and accomplished so many of those things. Well, right from the get-go, Tom Brady seems like a really good guy. Right from the get-go, you can tell that Tom Brady is trying to help Antonio Brown, right? I mean, you may not think so, and I understand it. You may think that Antonio Brown, uh, you know, is whatever. Unfortunately, you have reverted, and I don't know if I've got the rest of this. I don't think I do. Hang on. Hang on, Collie. This is a DM, I guess. Unfortunately, you have reverted very much back. God dang it. What am I doing here? Very much back to the young, immature man that is selfish, self-serving, 
irrational and irresponsible. I, for one, am disappointed in many behaviors over the past few months. You have seemed to have lost that humility and that APG. You have gone from hanging around good quality people that had genuine interest in seeing you succeed to seeing others whose lives are erratic, out of control, and leading you down a negative path. Now, I got to tell you, I'm sure somebody's going to say that's racist. I'm sure somebody, well, you can't, you know, I got to tell you, that's a good friend. That's a damn good friend. I'm sorry I screwed that up, but I did because I wanted to get to it and I forgot and I just went to it. But that's a good friend. And Antonio Brown is dumb, really dumb for not understanding that. Speaking of good friend, Ryan Bird been a friend of mine for a long, long time. You see him. He just ran a golf tournament. Tiger Woods showed up. I want to get his comments on Philadelphia losing last night. The Colts, Pat Perez calling out Tiger Woods and whatever the hell else. Ryan Burr, because Ryan Burr brings it every time. We'll be right back with the great Ryan Burr. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You know, in the city of Indianapolis, Ryan Burr is a cult figure. Ryan Burr brings it every time. Now, Ryan Burr has covered golf for the Golf Channel and been their lead anchor and host, golf for ESPN and been their best anchor and host football on ESPN, college football all day, basketball, basketball at the local level. He covered me at Bowling Green. My first job at ESPN, half times, was with Ryan. So I've known him a long time, but I never knew that he had the kind of sack that he has. Ryan Bird joins. It is always fire. Let's get right into it. The Colts made the move to Saturday. You don't like the Colts no matter what. Do you like them more now? Uh, no. I mean, like they beat the Raiders. Uh, I mean, I guess from what I understand, there is a, a victory parade this week through downtown Indianapolis because uh, they won a game against a horrendous team. Uh, I have no idea if Saturday can coach or not. I'm not going to know the answer to that this year. He has no players. Uh, can he motivate them? Uh, that's, that's possible. Uh, he could be a great coach, but, you know, you know, going back to Matt Ryan, you could make the argument is the dumbest decision the Colts could have possibly made. And this goes back to like, so if you're the Indianapolis Colts, the goal is no longer to win eight or nine games, Dan. The goal is to get the best quarterback possible in the draft next year. And going back to Matt Ryan is going to win you some games. And I will promise you this. It will be the fattest egg you've ever seen laid against the Eagles on Sunday when he gets sacked and throws three picks. Like, he'll beat some bad teams because he's a veteran, and even though he's shot, he can still win a couple games. But this goes back to why the Colts are, are forever in purgatory. Phillip Rivers, uh, Matt Ryan, like, it, that's not how you do it. That's not how you do it in the NFL. Look at the team you play next Sunday. Now, Jalen Hurts was a second round pick. You know, if I'm not going to sit here and tell you I thought he was going to be an MVP candidate, but at least you take a chance and maybe he is what he is and the Eagles are the are the big winners from that. You know, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, like take a shot. It's sometimes you win, sometimes you lose in your draft prospect, but I know Matt Ryan isn't the answer. So for you to ask a ridiculously dumb question of what do I think of Jeff Saturday? I mean, the, the guy's in an impossible situation. He might be Vince Lombardi, Dan. He might be. But how are we going to know when he doesn't have a quarterback or a team to coach? 
Hey, fool, all I asked was, all I asked was, do you like them better now that Saturday is here? I didn't say no. he's Lombardi. No. I didn't say they no. were. I just asked that question because I will give you credit. You have been off. Your statements have been very consistent when it comes to the Colts. From the start of the year to right we're now, starting two years you've ago, been very Dan, consistent. Starting two years ago. That's not how you win in the NFL. This comes down to this. I could, I could tell you 20 teams right now that are only interested in sneaking into the playoffs, and the Colts are one of them. It keeps everybody happy, and everyone keeps their job. What it doesn't do is give you a chance to win the Super Bowl. I told you at the start of the year when everyone was high on the Colts in the horrible division, I said, I don't care if they win 11, 12 games. They have 0.0 chance of making it to the Super Bowl. And I was right again. You were right again. I, I Look, what did you think as a Pittsburgh Steeler fan? Did you yeah. – did you like the fact that the Commanders went in last night and beat the hated Eagles? Yeah, I mean, uh, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, there's not a whole lot of rival that rivalry there. It's AFC, NFC. You see them, you know, once every six years. Uh, so I, I have no ill will towards Philadelphia. Now, on the ice, the Penguins and Flyers are rivals, and, and Pittsburgh is, I mean, it has owned Philadelphia like no team in history. But uh, good for Philadelphia. Um you know, the NFC is so horrendous. It is so horrifically bad that you now are down to three teams. The Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Vikings. And we all know Kirk Cousins can't win a big game. So you cross the Vikings off. So now it's can, and I mean this, the Dallas Cowboys, in my opinion, I know they lost to Green Bay, but Realistically, with Dak, with C.D. Lamb, with the two running backs they have and the defense they have, they're the type of team that could cause Jalen Hurts to play bad. And the, and the Cowboys, in my opinion, are actually in the hunt to go to the Super Bowl out of what is the horrendous, embarrassingly bad NFC. No Tom Brady? <laughs> yeah, uh, No, no Tom Brady. Bucks are... Bucks are dead. What are you really? They just won two in a row. What are you talking about? Yeah, he, looks, he looks refreshed now that Giselle has another man. <laughs> uh, you know, Father Time, it's he's a great story. Obviously, the GOAT, amazing what he's done. He has won uh two games against really bad teams, which, you know, that's another thing about the NFL that is good and bad it perks teams interest up because there's just six games on everyone's schedule that you're just going to win because that other team is so embarrassingly bad and that like rejuvenates rejuvenates hope like you know think about this the Colts beat the Raiders at home and now Saturday's the answer we're going to the playoffs and everything's right in Indy and I can name 10 teams that will go through that in the next four or five weeks where they'll win a game against, and the Bucs are that team. The Bucs can't beat a good team. Brady's shot. He can't, they can't beat a good team. Now, the good thing for them is they don't, they don't play a lot of uh, good teams in the, in the NFC, but uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're not the answer. They're not going to the Super Bowl. Um, 
I don't like the fact that you're poo-pooing Saturday. We we love Saturday. We think he is the next Lombardi. He look, look it's inarguable. You can't argue. He's the winningest coach in the history of the NFL by percentage. I mean, you yeah. can't argue it. So don't you know? Don't at me about it. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. Move on. That's the dumbest argument I've ever heard. But I know you're <laughs> tongue in cheek, so we're good. Hey, I gotta ask you. Our friend Pat Perez says, "Hey, yeah. Tiger, you got you got forty million dollars. You got a right. plane coming right out of college. Didn't hurt your yep. incentive." What makes right. you think it's going to hurt us live tour guys is instead sure. of getting a ton of money. I ain't mad at Pat right. Perez. I like Pat Perez for saying it. Well, it's, it is the dumbest comment I've ever heard. Um, here's the deal. The, what happens to most PGA tour players is, and, and it would happen to me too. Like, I don't think I'm built that way. You might've actually been built that way, Dan, but I'm probably not where, uh, you just go look at, at some of like the FedEx Cup champions after they won or even after you win the Masters. And it often is a very long hiatus before you ever win again. Uh, and a lot of that is the comfortability. Uh, when you give someone a lottery ticket, which Pat Perez has won, Pat was never that great on the PGA Tour. He certainly hasn't played that great on the Live Tour. Uh, but he's cashed in a lottery ticket, and now he's big and tough talking to everyone on the podcast. The reality is this. Tiger's not the guy that Pat should have pointed out. Tiger, with zero money or $200 billion, is wired the same guy and is only interested in beating your brains into submission. Uh, Michael Jordan, all the money in the world, never sidetracked from that competition of winning. I know you're not a huge Jordan guy, but you can't deny that in the heat, Michael never really rested on the money he had. Now, LeBron, you might be able to say as good as LeBron is, LeBron seems to have been sidetracked and moves into different areas. There certainly are tens of 20s, of 30s, of 40s golfers over the years that have that once they've won the big money, have taken it a little bit easier haven't quite practiced as hard. Tiger's not that guy, so for that comment, Perez is uh, ridiculous. Uh, he's trying to he's trying to get in the news, and he did. He's trying to get live in the news, and he did. But the reality is Tiger's not the guy. Tiger with $200 billion or $2 is working just as hard. And all you really even have to do is look at where Tiger is today with the $200 billion with a leg that many doctors suggested amputation was the way to go. The leg, when you see it up close, makes uh, uh, Alex Smith. We've all seen the Alex Smith project. He looks like Earl Campbell next to Tiger, okay? I mean, the leg was fractured thousands of times. Um, the, you know, he just worked harder than everyone else just to be able to freaking walk. So for Perez to take on Tiger, wrong guy, wrong time, dumb comment. I think very smart comment, absolutely the right time and the right yeah. guy because, let's be Silly. honest, it's Silly. amazing. It is amazing to me. You mentioned Michael Jordan, and I am a big Michael Jordan fan. It's amazing the pass we give these guys. Like, we all think that Michael Jordan works so much harder than everybody else. Maybe he does, 
but I ain't buying it. You know how hard a guy like Pat Perez, who doesn't have an ounce of the talent that Tiger Woods had to work just to get Dan, to the tour? Dan, you're so outside your a lane guy here. like Luka Doncic had to work just to get to Dan, the tour? Or uh, every guy that I saw like Calvin. I'm not li- I listen to you. You listen to me. Or that had yeah, to but- work his brains out like Calvert Chaney just to get to the N- uh, NBA for 16 years? You have no idea. Right. And I got to tell you, Tiger Woods is – I listen to you. Tiger Woods is the perfect guy. That dude had $40 million. That dude had a pre-plane. That dude had every commercial. But he still got down and he, quote, got it done in the dirt. Everybody doesn't have Tiger Woods' talent. Everybody doesn't have Tiger Woods' natural strength and ability. And a lot of guys got to work just as hard to just make it. So I think what Pat Perez did was beautiful I think it was perfect. I think he picked the absolute right guy. I think Tiger Woods should shut his mouth when it comes to other players and their determination. That's just my opinion. But, hey, Michael Jordan worked his brains out, but he didn't work harder than Calvert Chaney. I guarantee he didn't work harder than Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller was all day. He just didn't have as much ability. I will 100%... listen to you and respect certainly your Calvert Chaney analogies in anything basketball. You're a far smarter man than me. Uh, you coached at the highest level. You coached under uh, Coach Knight. So, yes. Uh, when you venture into my lane under the ropes and say dumb things, I'm forced in to correct you. And Pat Perez, uh, if you polled everyone in professional golf, would probably be considered top five underachievers in the game. He actually was blessed with ridiculous hand, eye, and hands that because he's lazy and because he's made a lot of money, uh, a lot of people would tell you that he, if, if he had worked harder, he would be a major champion. Um, now, Listen, he's far more successful than me. I've got to give Perez all the credit for getting as far as he did. And I said at the start of the show that if I was in the same same situation, I may have taken the route that Pat Perez took, which was to enjoy his life uh, and not work as hard as Tiger. Every single person in golf would tell you that Tiger Woods worked far harder than Pat Perez. Every person. Good. Good. That's not the point. The point is... Tiger Woods lumping in a bunch of guys because they now have money, which means they don't have incentive, maybe or may okay. not be true. But, but Tiger that, Woods proved that not to be true. That money doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to go to work. Whether Perez decided to enjoy his life, you know, that's fine. But the point right. isn't Pat Perez. The point is, hey, look, you're lumping us all in here. Okay. What the hell are you doing when you are the living example of having it and not being complacent? That's the point, Ryan. That Okay, I, I can buy that, and I would tell you there's probably a few players on Live that uh, that is true, and they had all the money they could spend before. The, you know, Dustin Johnson, before he went to Live, had all the money he could ever spend in his lifetime. So does DJ, with another $100 million, change how he operates probably no there are guys on that tour that have more money than they ever had before and the test of time and their golf score 
will determine whether that affected their work habits or not. That remains to be seen. But certainly, Tiger, and like I said, you go through, listen, Spieth, Thomas, Rory, Tiger, Phil, uh, DJ, Brooks Kepka. I mean, those guys had more money when they were on the PGA Tour than it wasn't like they were hurting on their mortgage payment. So will this new crazy amount of money change the way they operate? I don't think so. I think the guys I just named are built because they want to win. I, I agree. And I would agree that Phil is built because he wants to win. You mentioned, you know, and, and, and Phil gets lumped in and Dustin Johnson gets lumped in with Tiger Woods's comments. And, you know, those two guys, everybody's too chicken blank to say anything about Tiger. It's amazing the pass that Tiger Woods uh, gets in, in this world today because he wins. What, he puts a ball pass, in a Dan? hole in less strokes. Huh? What pass? What pass? Uh, is he a Buddhist? He's, he's the heart. I don't know anyone on the PGA tours religion or the live tours religion, Dan. I know this. No, I, and I don't he's, either, but he's the guy that came out and started telling us all about how religious he's going to be and blah, 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 blah. I mean, the dude, you know, there have been a lot of people that have been canceled for far less egregious personal lives than Tiger Woods. But now Tiger Woods is like this this guy that when he says something, everybody, you can't question it. Well, I think a guy like Tiger Woods, given how much he lied in his personal life, should be more questioned than anybody. Like, you know, why wouldn't you question whether that guy's telling the truth after all the lies that he's told? Why wouldn't you question whether he's being disingenuous or not? Right. So, you know, obviously you're you're lumping like, craziness in into your your point here which is it's just crazy uh you know i don't think that tiger's past transgressions uh prevent the greatest player from all time giving his opinion on the state of the game which is what he is asked to do and i've got to say a lot of people a lot of people are afraid to have a take and give an opinion and now tiger has a take and is giving you his opinion and you're saying you don't want to hear it from him because he lied when he was 25. No, that's exactly not what I'm saying. That's the opposite of what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this. Yeah, give your opinion. But all you guys in golf are so afraid to come at Tiger for an idiotic opinion. So Pat Perez comes at Tiger for what is obviously an idiotic opinion based on Tiger's own life. And all of a sudden, you're not allowed to do this because it's Tiger. No. When you have a history of lying, then when you give an opinion, which I love that Tiger gives an opinion, that opinion can be and should be questioned, is my point. So have you ever told a lie in your life, Dan? And I want my opinions to be challenged. They should be challenged. 100%. You guys act like you can't challenge... The great Tiger Woods' opinion. No. Screw that. He made a dumbass I, statement. Pat Perez called him out, and I like it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, for you to call what it's a dumbass statement. Why? Because he, he because he lied when he was twenty five. That makes it a dumbass statement. No, no. You uh, you should call him out 
because he lied when he was 25 or 35. Call him out for what, He's a lot older. He's a lot older than that. So because he did that, then I think his statements could and should be challenged to their veracity, to their validity. That's just what I think. I, and I think so many people all of a sudden have made this guy this, oh, you can't challenge his opinion. He's this Buddha. No, he's not. Please. Right. So, so you, you, so where, I know where, what you're trying. I get what you're trying to do. I understand what you're trying to do. You're doing what most people do. do you are smart you. enough to understand what no, I'm actually I'm not, saying. You're just trying to spin it in a way that, you know, I get it. But you totally understand. I'm saying Tiger Woods... I don't think he has earned the trust to make a statement and not have it be challenged. That's just my point. And I like the fact that Pat Perez did. As goes for every person in the media, politics, or sports. So in the giant umbrella, everyone that says anything should be able to be challenged. It doesn't make me think that Pat Perez is correct in his assessment of Tiger. I will say there it is a case-by-case basis. Every player that goes to live and gets paid $100 million is not going to stop working and just going to lay in the hammock all day. There will be some that do, however, just as on the PGA Tour, there are have been some that have done that. So Tiger is correct that when you give someone a big check, depending on that person and how they're wired, you're going to see guys that stop working as hard and stop digging it out of the dirt. Now, I'll challenge back that the DJs and Kepkas and the stars like Phil, you can't do it for as long as they have with as much money as they have. In my mind, no money is going to make that big of a difference that they're going to go rest on the hammock. But I, w- I will promise you there are guys that are taking the big check on the live tour that won't work as hard. I will promise you that. 100% I agree totally with both of that. But I also think that Perfect. somebody on the live tour, Perfect, and maybe yeah. maybe Perez isn't the right guy, but somebody on the live tour needed to stand up to Tiger and say, look, shut the hell up. You had all this money and you still play. Just you're no different than I and I like it. I do. Well I, I like it. This take, might have been the most fun interview I've had in my time on this show. Probably. Uh, last thing I'll, I'll I'll say on this is I think Liv's biggest problem from the get-go, is they never had someone that could articulate why they were good for golf or why they weren't the Antichrist. And the plan all along has been to prop up professional golfers and ask them to speak on behalf of the Saudis and everything that's going on. And in fairness to every player on the Live Tour, none of them are equipped with what would be necessary to articulate a point against uh, trained broadcasters and writers that are under that thumb of the PGA Tour. So Pat Perez is the first guy that's trying to be a spokesperson. I'm not sure that's who I want speaking on behalf of my tour, but at least the Live Tour finally is having a response where the first six months they kind of just took it. That's right. That's right. Uh, you can always debate. Like, I, I would debate that Tiger's the wrong guy to question based on him getting $40 million and a plane. I would, I would argue, to your point of Pat Perez, you know better than me. I would argue that Tiger's the wrong guy to make that statement because, let's be honest, 
Yes, he did dig it out of the dirt. Yes, he didn't have to. He could have gone away with $40 million. So he showed the exact opposite in his actions, sure. the opposite of what he said in his words. He, his and life, so his DJ. actions were different and, than his words. Right. And, and, to, and to, to take it full circle, Dustin has won, won 20 straight years or whatever his record was, consecutive years with a win on the PGA Tour. You know, for everyone that wants to take a shot at DJ, the reality is, yes, he's very gifted, but you just don't win on the PGA Tour if you're not working hard. And Tiger and DJ and Rory and Phil, they've all had money for a long time and kept winning. And a couple of them are on the PGA or the Live Tour, so that's my point. Hey, uh, I got to run, but this was fun. What can we argue with about next week? Because you got your ass kicked just now. I ain't going to lie to you. You backpedaled. No. You actually came no. to my side. Dockage no, wins over Burr. It's the first I'm, time I'm undefeated. Ever. I'm undefeated. It, it was a good whooped. run. We're going to put it I out to tell a you poll. This. We're going to put I'll, this I'll out, this and we're going to put a poll. I'll make you this promise. I'll make you this promise, Dan. Jeff Saturday will not have the greatest winning percentage in the history of the NFL in seven days, okay? You know what the best thing about 1-0 and is? You get to be 2-0. and Not happening. <laughs> I got to go. Time is up. Thank you, my friend. See you, buddy. That's a, I love that guy. I love arguing with that fool. And he is a fool, but he's smart as hell. And he is the best. So that was good. We got to go. It's 11 o'clock. Ryan and Dylan and Davey and Gary and, and, and Aaron. Aaron, how about you? We're working to get Pat Perez on. We'll show him this argument maybe uh, down the line. Thanks, everybody, was on the YouTube chat. Thanks, everybody. That was on our <laughs> – yeah, yeah. There you go. There is our woke dope right there. There they are. Phony mother. Anyway, almost swore right there. I could do this show. Hey, Brian's got me fired up. I can do this show for another hour. Have a great afternoon. I'm on 1075thefan.com. Check me out there. See you.